Yeah, expansiveness is one of the antidotes to that. What if jealousy were also right. this? Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate. Relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Today we get to learn from Dr. Jolie Hamilton, a PhD holder in psychology with a personal fascination around jealousy, compersion, and other related topics. From jealousy being a neutral emotion rather than a negative one, expect to have your preconceptions challenged. We differentiate jealousy from envy by discussing jealousy as necessarily triangular by default, where envy is dyadic. Finally, Dr. Hamilton encourages us to ask specific questions and build shared meaning and vocabulary. I expect the session to be a real treat for you. And when you're done, feel free to check out Dr. Hamilton's TEDx talk or visit her site at joliehamilton.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome everyone to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Dr. Jolie Hamilton, the relationship coach and research psychologist, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and ASEC certified sex educator who hosts Project Relationship, the podcast with her anchor partner, Ken. Jolie has been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, NPR, and The Atlantic, and has spent two decades studying and reimagining what love can be if we open our imagination to possibility. Jo- Dr. Jolie, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Victor. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm super interested to talk a little bit about your research into jealousy. Um, mm. Are you? Where would you like to start talking about this juicy, large conversation topic? Oh, it's such a good topic. I know that when I, when people hear that my research is in jealousy, I get two reactions. Some of them are lean in like you did, and they're like, "Ooh, I want to talk about that," and others are like. Oh, I got to get a drink. I'm going <laughs> to go over there. Um, so where I would start is when you're listening to this, just take a beat and know that there's nothing wrong with you in whatever way you experience jealousy. Like, let's normalize it right out of the gate. Jealousy is just an emotional experience. It doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be positive. You don't have to do a lot about it other than start to get to know it better. That's my... That's my genuine hope is that people start normalizing jealousy and normalizing working with it so that it becomes less painful because a lot of people do experience it as painful. Right. And then there is always the secondary reaction, um, which I shouldn't say always because there are going to be people who don't have a secondary reaction. Like, like for myself, if I'm experiencing jealousy, I don't have a lot of feels about whether or not I'm experiencing jealousy. But I know some folks have this really intense secondary reaction almost like from that meta piece of, oh my God, I'm experiencing jealousy, therefore, and there are all these beliefs that come into play. Oh, yes. So that that's a great place to work with jealousy in a differentiated way to remind ourselves some people will experience jealousy layered with shame and blame, and other people will experience jealousy in a very normalized, naturalized, like, yep, this is just another emotion. Um, a place that you, we can usually talk about this more easily is a lot of us have come to understand anger as natural and helpful. And even the APA agrees with us. The APA puts out their you know, definition of different emotional words 
And with anger, they say, it's an effective state of elevated blah, blah, blah. And anger can be a good thing. With jealousy, though, even the APA says a negative affective state. They start right out of the gate, layering on the potential for feeling shame or feeling bad about it or layering that judgment like you're talking about. And now we have two things to deal with, at least. And we may also have how our partner or partners are reacting to jealousy. And we may have how our community, especially say if we're in a community like a non-monogamous community, there might be some judgments about how jealousy should be experienced or whether it shouldn't or should it be transformed. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that can go on behind the scenes with jealousy. I like for everybody to just remember to start where they are and to try to with, withdraw any ideas that there is one right way to work with jealousy. Absolutely. Um, I'm, my jaw was on the floor when you said the APA starts out by describing it as a negative affective state rather than <laughs> yeah. con considering the way that anger gets processed. That's really, really interesting. Right. Uh, so I, I have my strong, my, uh, my, the hill I'm going to die on is jealousy is neutral until you decide how to act on it. Oh, absolutely. Just like anger. And I, I didn't know that this, I didn't actually know that this was a big thing. I studied studying, I started studying jealousy a long time ago um, academically, and I thought I was going to find a more neutral stance. And I think it's in part because, you know, jealousy has inspired violence for so long. I mean, we can't look anywhere and not see stories that have jealousy threaded through them. Mm. Everything from our films and books and literature, our songs, I mean, just, oh, the songs, all mm -hmm. the way back to our ancient mythologies. Jealousy becomes an excuse in many of these expressions for violence, for murder, for rape, for maiming, right? So there is a, I think that we do have a very real, um, obligation to take seriously how badly jealousy can go um but i don't see how it's any different from anger because if someone acts in a rageful way and acts out to jealousy in a negative way well then we got to deal with that <laughs> just like For we would sure. have to deal with violence anywhere else and yet if we put that judgment on it right out of the gate are we really giving people a chance to act, actually work with jealousy for what it's best for? It's there. It wouldn't be in us if it didn't serve a purpose. I study jealousy from an archetypal perspective, which tells me that if something is present in psyche, it serves a purpose. And with jealousy, we know that at least one of its purposes is to connect us to our primary caregiver when we're an infant. Mm -hmm. Simple, right? And we need it. In fact, I was just talking to a pregnant mom today. She's got a uh, slightly older child who's really, really frustrated with her belly being in the way. She's like, what's going to happen when this baby comes out? I'm like, yep, he's experiencing jealousy. It's totally normal. It's designed to protect him. And yet, when you're 30 years old, <laughs> you need to deal with it in a different way. This little kid was struggling with, you know, he's trying to headbutt her belly. And, you know, this is age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Can we learn how to work with jealousy in age-appropriate ways? Or do we get stuck in very um, un unmature, immature, and unrefined patterns of acting out jealousy, like blaming the other for its existence? Because that's just not helpful. I'm sorry, when you said age-appropriate ways, I, I sort of asked myself the question, is there an age-appropriate way to negatively <laughs> express jealousy as like a 35-year-old adult? And I'm, yeah. I'm not well, sure I have a good answer because of the way society conditions us to only yeah. have these strongly monogamous, strongly pair-bonded narratives. 
Right, right. So I would say that expressing it in a container where you have where you have set up, I'm going to express what I'm feeling and I'm taking responsibility for these being my feelings. I'm going to own them and I would like to express what's happening. So yeah, there's no, there's no excuse for blaming. There's no excuse for violence. There's no excuse for um, shaming someone else, for, for asking them to change their behavior so that I feel different. Mm-hmm. No. However, asking people, and this happens in some um, in some non-monogamy circles that I have been in, there can be a level of shame of jealousy's very existence, and there's no there's no willingness or ability to express jealousy, and then it just goes into the shadow, and stuff we shove into the shadow pops up like a beach ball underwater. You don't mm-hmm. know where it's gonna come. It's not good. So that's where I think we have to tread carefully and remember that somebody expressing that they're feeling jealousy isn't the same thing as acting out their jealousy. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think about good prompts for where to go. I'm really um, mulling over what you're saying in my head and trying to absorb it. It's a big topic. It is a really big topic. One, one thing that people often um, need or could benefit from is differentiating jealousy and envy. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're talking about jealousy, we're always talking about a triangular experience. Um, this is I, this is the actual definition of it. Jealousy is the fear that our love bond will be interrupted, right? So there's a third. Mm-hmm. The third doesn't have to be a real human or the, the third doesn't actually have to be interrupting. It can be imagined. The imagination has a great capacity to run away um, and invent a story. So the third could be just in your imagination, but it's always that triangular situation. Whereas in envy, it's always a dyadic situation where I want to either have what you have or be what you are. And so the injury with envy is that my self-worth is tied into not being enough. Mm-hmm. The, en- the injury in jealousy comes with my fear is that my love bond can be interrupted by someone else and I feel helpless and powerless. Um, they're, they're different things. We can work with them in much the same way, you know, like with all strong emotions there are some basic things we can do, but I like to peel these things apart because when somebody's talking about jealousy, when they're talking about feeling interrupted, there is a tendency that we see for people to blame the interrupter and forget to refocus on the person they're in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And that's a really disempowering stance, right? It, right. We, there's really not much we can do. I, I can't, especially... In particularly, if I have imagined the interruption (laughs) really hard. Now I don't, there's not a lot I can do. I can't ask the Instagram picture to stop interrupting my relationship. (laughs) And I see it all the time. And it's such a struggle. People wind up being compulsively checking their partner's social media and things like that. Uh, Monitoring their partner's texts, things like that. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. And, And the thing is, it comes from a really deeply felt sense that they will be abandoned it's it's such deep fear Mm -hmm. and it's the solution for that level of abandonment fear is in you know really learning to self-regulate learning to connect to your partner refocusing your energy on is this partner able to meet me or is something going on actually in my partnership whether whether you have many partners or one partner in any individual dyad is there actually something missing 
and, and focusing on that because there's the person you can ask, hey, I, I would like assurance, I would like reassurance, I would like help with this, I would like to understand something, I would like to know more about this interruption that I'm, I'm seeing, I, I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. There's an in, that's your, your possibility for actually increasing intimacy through your jealousy rather than decreasing it because you've displaced the blame onto this interrupter and now you're not actually increasing your connection to your partner. Right. And I think these things have a way of being so multifaceted because even if you've got your jealousy responses and patterns and communication down pat, the second you open your mouth and say, hey, so, you know, I'm experiencing jealousy and I just wanted you to know that this is something I'm currently working on. um, You know, your partner can have their own interpretation of what you mean when you say jealousy and their own reaction from their previous experiences of having jealous partners. So you might find that even just even if you are the partner that's in the receptive space where you're, where your partner is experiencing jealousy, that can bring with it a lot of emotional baggage too that colors how you respond to it. Exactly. And in all big relationship stuff, honestly, in all relationship stuff, we have to get clear on what our vocabulary is by creating shared meaning around the words we're using. And I, I, I find that this becomes sort of a bad habit over the course of a relationship where we assume that we actually establish shared shared meaning and if we may not have ever so we could be in a relationship Mm -hmm. for 27 years and sit in a therapy session or sit with a coach and find out oh my god you think what you think I mean what (laughs) and the good news there is well great you've got you've got some place you can you've got leverage now you can change something because you can change how you're talking about something you can come to a new understanding but we can also avoid some of that by always looking at what does this word mean for me? What you just said is perfect. Like, just what does it mean? What does it mean? And how will I deal with it? How are we going to hold this in the context of our relationship? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. What do we want it to mean? In fact, it's something I'm, I'm known for, almost infamous for in um, previous relationships. Um, and I should say ongoing relationships because I'm more of a subscriber to relationship transition than to ending relationships. Me too. One of my partners literally gifted me a mug that said define naughty on one side because I'm so known for trying to construct that shared vocabulary because I'm Mm -hmm. just so done with having those conversations where your partner. I have that exact shirt. Oh, I do. Do you really? That's so amazing. I do. I do. Exactly. Construct your shared meaning. Construct the awareness that you need. How do you do it? What questions do you ask? Um, I often I'll say things like when I'm feeling super reactive, I'll, I'll remind myself to pause and say things like, what do you mean by that? And could Mm -hmm. you say a little more about that or help me understand that? And just come from a place of curiosity, even if I'm like, wow, after 27 years, not that I've had a relationship that long, you know, I can't believe my partner believes this. I think the most important thing then is to be like, well, let's see how deep this rabbit hole goes. I want to know like all the things and I'm just I I try and channel my my fascination about what is going on into better understanding my partner's experience so that when we're trying to resolve it, I at the very least have. I've one, I've done everything I can possibly do and I've learned what I could possibly learn so I can try to action it in a way that even if it ends with, you know, okay, well, we're going to need to change how we relate to each other because that doesn't work for me. At least right. I'll know that I've, I've got all the, all the information in doing that. I love that. And I think that all relationships, no matter what your relationship style is, the benefits that you can gain by 
staying with curiosity. I think a lot of people are good at dipping into it, but we forget to stay with it long enough to allow ourselves to be influenced and allow ourselves to come to a new understanding of the, the vast, <laughs> the vast broadness that any word can hold like a word can hold a lot mm -hmm. and so but you got to stay in that place of of curiosity and interest and expansiveness mm, oh. expansiveness say more about that <laughs> so for me for instance i meet with people frequently who are polyamorous and they have an understanding of jealousy they've looked into it they've studied it in some way you know they've looked things up they've they've tried to work with it they've had conversations about it right now i'm running a study, a follow-up study to my original um, interpretative phenomenological analysis on jealousy in polyamorous individuals. Mm -hmm. I'm running a follow-up with monogamous people and have conversations with them and their definitions of jealousy are extremely monolithic, which makes sense, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. nested in a monogamous society mm -hmm. that reaffirms their initial understandings, right? So they, they don't have to expand their definition and the what has been floating to the top for instance is the people who trained i happen to have a couple of interviews in this subset of um in, in, of participants who are therapists and so they trained and they trained at some point and came into contact with somebody who's polyamorous so they had for instance the word compersion they they understood what it was so they had this idea that jealousy might also have an antonym it might there might be a larger conversation to have about it. Mm -hmm. So far, none of my participants in this particular sample who have not been trained in, in therapy, they haven't been exposed to it. So their definition is just, it's narrow and it's tight. And here's the thing, their somatic response, um, the way that they describe the somatic experience mm -hmm. of jealousy to me is tight. They talk about constriction, tightness, weight, heaviness, knots. It's so tight. And so is their definition of what jealousy is. It's it's very constricting, that, and it, it you can like feel the pain in their descriptions. Mm -hmm. That's really Expan fascinating. Yeah, expansiveness is one of the antidotes to that. What if jealousy were also right? This right. That is a lovely sentence. What if jealousy were also blank? It really triggers that sense of curiosity and imagination and just a lot of those. It's like engaging, you know, the gears that you need in your mind to sort of move through a state rather than be stuck in it. Right. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's wrap our first session on jealousy there and we'll come back and do another one. Great. Thanks for being on the show, Dr. Julie Hamilton. Thanks so much, Victor. It was great to be here. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor or tweet me at Intimate Victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>